On today's episode, we are talking about 60 days of the year and how crucial it is to finish strong. Maybe it's your health, your finances, writing a book, starting a Bible study, going back to school, or just keeping your car clean on Tuesdays. Whatever the goal, we're talking to the queen of sticking to your goals and finishing strong. Hi, my name is Stephanie Pleka, and I'm here to navigate the messy parts of motherhood. I'm a small town mom of four who took a parenting blog and wrote a book to help moms find the goodness in the hard places, to chase their dreams and write their story. So sit tight in the carpool lane. You know what I'm talking about, mamas. Comfortable in those yoga pants and get ready to be encouraged. This is the Motherhood Mindset with Stephanie Pletka. So today we've got a fun show, guys. Gabe Cox is a faith-based author. She's coach and host of the Gold Driven Moms podcast. She's a certified running coach who's passionate about pushing others toward their goals and inspiring them to dream big. Her mission is to help you step into the fire of refinement so you can come out stronger to crush your goals God's way. An avid runner, she used the success principles outlined in her book, Mind Over Marathon, to run the Boston Marathon twice. Gabe, welcome to the show. Thanks, Stephanie. It's so good to be here with you. Oh, I'm so excited. Okay, you ran the Boston Marathon twice. That is like a dream for a lot of people. Yeah, it was super fun too. It was definitely hard work to get there, but worth it. Well, tell us something fun, something interesting about yourself. So something fun that I've been doing recently is um, hiking 14ers out in Colorado. Now that we live in Colorado, it's like my new challenge. And the reason it's my challenge, I don't know if this is a fun or how cool story, but I've made it to the top, (laughs) but I've gotten altitude sickness both times. I've run two or not run. I've walked two, hiked two, and I've gotten altitude sickness to the point of seeing stars. It's been a long time since I've had a hangover, but a hangover, right? Like really bad. (laughs) Tell us what, what is the 14er? What is that? So a 14er is, um, you're hiking a really tall mountain. That's 14,000 plus elevation around, I think it's 12, five, like 12,500 feet elevation where, um, you hit the tree line. So then you don't see more trees or anything like that. Like that kind of life is done. So it's more desertous up in the top. But um, 14ers are very hard because you don't have much oxygen to get yourself through them. They are very beautiful, uh, beautiful views in the Rocky Mountains. Um, those are the ones I've been hiking so far. So, but it was, it's kind of fun. It's a, it's a how cool story because I did it once and then I did it again and I still plan on doing it. Like I have a goal to do four in the summer next year, like one a month. Oh my gosh. Okay. That is crazy. You know, I'm from <laughs> Alabama and I think Mount Chiha is the, the tallest uh, area is a thousand feet. <laughs> right. I know from Minnesota, it was like, we were at sea level, we were 500 feet. So coming here into Colorado has been a huge adjustment. What made you decide to do something like this? So one of the things I think is that, um, I hit Boston, my Boston goals, you know, hit Boston twice. And I had all these running goals and then I moved to elevation and running has been really hard. So I kind of was going, what else could I do? What's another goal? I kind of want to push myself a little bit more, do something hard. Cause I feel like I haven't done that in a while. And, um, then I know I like hiking. And so I thought, why not? Let's see if I can push myself to do a 14 er And, um, and so that's kind of what did it for me. I was like something that's not a running goal, but something that will make me do something hard. 
you know, a lot of people run from hard, so you seem to run towards it. What's this about? (laughs) Yeah, I sometimes I don't want to do hard, but I think one of the things is that when I push myself to do something hard, it really disciplines me in everything I do. My disciplines, my habits, everyday life is better. Like when I qualified for the Boston Marathon the first time, that was my first hard goal. That was my first, let's try something hard and see what happens. And through it, it's helped me have more goals in life in general. And then just to be, I mean, my biggest goal is to be an example for my kids. I want to show them what it means to do hard things. Sometimes we don't realize we are a good example or a bad example. We just are doing our thing. And then one day we're like, hmm, do they see mom as suffrage or do they see it as like, wow, this could be the best, most exciting custom life we could ever make for ourselves. What did you have to do in order to run the Boston Marathon? Oh, I had to do a lot of things. Um, my It was funny because it was just kind of a pipe dream. I was like, oh, well, it would be fun to run Boston because why not, right? Well, when I had that dream, I think my fastest marathon was about a four hour and 10 minute marathon, at, which isn't bad. It's pretty average. But in order to qualify, I had to hit a three hour, 30 minute. So that's dropping, you know, like 40 50 minutes off your time. So I was like, yeah, that's probably never going to happen. But what I did, and this is how it worked, is I decided I'm going to go all in and really change my mindset. I'm going to work on the mental toughness side because for a marathon, the last six miles is all heart. Like it really is very mental. We usually train up until about 20 miles. So some people it's trained more. I've trained to 26, but but yeah, that last six, if you if you don't have the mental toughness, it's easy to quit on yourself or to slow down or, you know, just all the things that are running through your head at that point that make you want to give up on yourself. And so I really had to dive into the mental side of things and get tough, get mentally ready for that kind of training and that kind of a race because I knew I'd have to run fast. It took a few tries um, to get to that point, but each time I did drop like 15, 20 minutes off of each marathon and different, and it was pretty crazy, but it was interesting to see what I was capable of. I had no idea. I had no idea. It literally was just a pipe dream. I think in life, a lot of times we don't know what our capabilities are. We just kind of sit on the sidelines of life and look at everybody else and which turns into comparison traps and <laughs> look what they're doing. I wish I could. And then you're looking on scrolling down Facebook and all the things and you're like, ugh, I don't even want to look at it anymore. And you start getting jealous. It's like a funnel that we all fall into. I love a good running metaphor. So tell me how it felt like the first time you failed. Were you just like, I'm never going to do this? Or what was your mindset there? Well, the whole time I was running, I'm like, I'm never doing this again. That's kind of how it is. <laughs> but then once you cross the finish line, there's something about it that makes you like, oh, I think I can do better. Nope. I think I, I mean, even when I, when I qualified for Boston, it was a, I hit a three hour, 30 minute, just what I wanted, but there was six seconds added onto that. And I was like, if only I would have ran seven seconds faster, I could have had a 329. This is what we do as marathon runners. We're like, we could do better. And every time we're like, we could do better. We could be better. And I think that happens a lot of times as we're um, pushing for anything. It's like, oh, if only if I could, I could have done that a little bit better. I could have done this. I could have pushed a little bit harder. And then it makes you kind of want to do it again. 
And, um, and I, and that's something about running. Like people are like, why do you do that for fun? That's so silly. And it really is. It's the runner's high. It's the things that you get out of it. Um, that makes it all worth it and makes you want to push that much harder the next time. I love this. Okay. So now you are running the Boston marathon and when you get started, like what, what's going on inside your head? Why did I sign up for this? What am I doing? That's like the real first thing. The first time I ran it, I had a goal of qualifying for Boston at Boston, which is a really hard feat because it's a pretty hard course. So I kind of left there feeling a little bit disappointed because obviously I didn't hit my goal. Um, It was quite hot that day. So I don't think I could have hit my goal either way. But then I didn't enjoy the experience while I was there. So the second time around, this came after I qualified for Boston the second time around in 2018, two months later, broke my ankle. And so I was like, okay, now I'm going to have to overcome that. So I had qualified for 2020 and then the pandemic happened and everything got canceled. So then I qualified for fall of 2020 and that got canceled. And then it was, it wasn't until 2021 in the fall that I got to run it. So this was like a three year process. And so at the start line of Boston, the second time, my feelings were a lot of gratefulness, like happy I can run again because the injury didn't take me out for life. Um, just being able to be a part of something special, to be a part of something rare, because the Boston Marathon is kind of like you feel like an elite runner that day. And so that's pretty fun. You're like right there in the midst of all the professionals and the elites, and you just feel like you're in a special spot. And so that's what was going through my head. It was like, it was more so we made it here. This is my victory run. I can finally take that lap, celebrate what we've accomplished in, you know, in that time. So that's kind of what I thought at the start. (laughs) So the first time you felt like you're not sure if you belong here or, you know, you've got so many things going on in your head. But by the time the second race came, I feel like an elite athlete. I totally belong Mm -hmm. here. And that's a metaphor for life too, right? Yeah. The more you do things, the more you feel that way too. So, I mean, you really can't trust your feelings, right? They'll tell you a lot of different things. Kind of like you were saying, the comparison, they'll tell you you're not good enough. The more you do something, the better you get at it for one, but the more confident you get too. Then you start feeling like, yeah, I belong. I belong here. I felt like that with my first kids. I wanted to do everything right and perfect and Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't want to hurt their little psyche and I wanted them to be independent and fun and happy. And then the second and third kid, you're just like, okay, they're raising themselves, but (laughs) for sure, you just kind of learn to roll with the punches and pivot and plan B's are everything. Hardly anybody ever talks about plan A. It's always plan B. Moms, you know, we're playing all the roles and we're juggling all the pieces and it's easy to lose our identity, you know, to, to feel like you're not seen or you're heard. And sometimes one feels like muffled underneath all those layers of life. A listener of the show, what two or three steps would you offer to a mom who's trying to figure out how to decipher what should I want for myself in those 60 to 90 days? I love this. And I felt that way too. I felt really stuck for a while. Like, but I put myself there. I put my dreams on the shelf because I thought that's what I needed to do. I would put everyone else first, which I still do anyway, but I, without thinking about how to take care of myself or to do something for myself. And that's one of the things I want to encourage moms is that your kids are watching you. And so being able, being willing to go do something, whether it's like, I'm going to read this book and I'm going to finish it by the end of the year, 
I mean, that's a good goal. Or read my Bible straight through, I think when I had my third kid, in six months, every morning feeding, I would just read and I finished it in six months. But that's a good goal. So we don't have to think big and burly. I mean, you don't have to go out and qualify for the Boston Marathon if you don't want to, especially if you're not even a runner and you don't like to do that. Why would you do that? My encouragement would be think about something that you really enjoy. Like what? lights you up? What brings you this energy, whether it's helping other people serving in some way, or maybe it is writing or something creative, but then what can you do with that? And here's some two to three steps. So I have, it's called the red hot formula, but it's really three different things that you can do in order to see that goal and take action on it. But the first thing you need to do is see it is the first step. And what that means is sit with it for a while. Figure out what it is that you're passionate about. What is it? Something that lights you up. What is a goal that you could have, big or small? Something that you could finish within this next 60 days. Really visualize that. What does that mean? Pray about it. Sit with the Lord. See if it's something he's nudging on your heart to do. So that's really important. And then I say, write that down. Write down whatever that is. If you see it, you're going to be more likely to take action on it. If you're not seeing it, it's more likely going to take a back seat because you're not going to think about it. The second thing is to plan it. So obviously, we need to have a plan, especially as moms. We're busy. You are running here and there and everywhere for activities. Um, You might be bringing kids to school. You might be homeschooling, whatever it is. You do not have much time. And so you really need to make sure to find the time. And I like to say, put something in your calendar as an appointment, whatever it is. So say you want to finish a book, maybe you're going to put in your calendar that, you know, 20 minutes a day that you're going to read. And whenever it is, I did that with my training. I would put my runs into my calendar as an appointment because one, my runs were my special time for myself. Like that was how I stayed healthy. It's how I would get energy. It would fuel me for the day so I could be everything to everyone I needed to. Set an appointment and create a plan. How am I going to get this done? How am I not going to let things distract me from getting this done? Because we we moms can come up with lots and lots of excuses <laughs> and we can hide behind our kids because, oh, my kid needs me now. Oh, my kid needs this and my kid needs that. Well, they really need to see you do something for you. They do need to see that. And then the third thing is to do it. So this sounds so simple. It's a simple formula. It really is. But do it. You can't just go out and run 26.2 miles. Like you can't say, oh, I'm going to go run a marathon and then just do it the next day. That doesn't work. You have to train. You have to put in the action. You have to put in the training and you need to fuel and do all the things. And that's the same with getting something done within the next 60 days, finding that time and actually go take action on it. And so make that a priority, make it important. That might mean five minutes a day. That might mean a couple hours a week. What is it that you can do and what do you need to do in order to finish it? Because if it's a book, it might be five to 10 minutes of reading a day. But if you are wanting to, you know, maybe it's serving at church, So maybe it's a weekly thing and your goal is to do it every week without missing. It's a great goal, you know? So what is it that you need to do? But essentially, the first thing you need to do is see it. The second thing you need to do is plan it. And the third thing you need to do is do it. See it, plan it, do it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love it. And it seems so simple. And it's funny how we love to turn things into, you know, difficulty and make it harder than it is. And I love how you talk about the excuses oh, my kid needs me because the sky's blue. We put ourselves last. We can give every excuse in the world, but sometimes we just have to uh, see it. We have to plan it. And then we have to do it. 
Sometimes those goals might look like you're riding on a park bench or when the kids are sleeping or you're studying for your master's, you know, when they're at school. So sometimes life is just outside of the box. If you really want something to happen, right, you just got to fit it in and find time. I was listening to John Acuff. He has a podcast. It reminded me of you. The, the podcast is called All You Need Is a Goal. And he's always saying, give yourself the gift of done. Now, I know for me, it's easy to just be like, I've got all these books that I've never read. I've got a half organized closet. Why is it so easy to start, but it is so hard to finish? I love that. Well, so the reason it's so easy to start is because it's super exciting. Like as you plan the goal, you're like, oh my goodness. And you're so motivated and you're excited about the outcome. Um, there's just so much momentum and almost um, endorphins going and all the things. So it's really easy to start because you are ready and going. And and then it's hard to finish because one, it matters of how long is this timeline. Well, if you have a huge goal, it could be months and months and months of doing before you get the result. So it's really hard to stick that out. That's one of the reasons why finishing really is hard. And one of the things too, is just sticking with it. So I always like to say, let's break it up. Like if you have a big goal, let's break it up into some mini goals. So then you're only focused on the one thing, like you're focused on the the one small thing, because you can, you can work toward a small thing. And once you hit it, it's like, Ooh, I just did that. I just accomplished it. I finished. Right. So that makes going to the next step easier. Like, okay, I finished something. Now I, I'm starting again. Oh, starting so fun and exciting, right? So I'm getting getting going again. And then you can hit that and go, okay, this isn't as hard as I thought. I got this done. And you just keep taking those stepping stones um, until you hit that finish, like the actual finish. But I think it's like, we need to have some mini finishes in there. We need to have some wins and be able to reward ourselves along the way. Otherwise, it just feels really mundane. Um, I think one of the things I was thinking about with this question is uh, one of my favorite shows is HG, HGTV. <laughs> so yes, I don't have regular yes. <laughs> TV. Like we don't really have TV. So I can only watch it when we're in a hotel. So when we're on vacation or wherever, the boys know we have to watch HGTV because I like to. But what I've noticed is I really love watching the beginning, namely because I like to see what are they going to do. And I really like to see the end because I like the final result to see how they take a dilapidated house or whatever and turn it into something beautiful. I really don't like watching the middle and because it's boring to me. I'm like, I don't want to watch people hammer and do all the things and stuff. That's not exciting to me. But I feel like that's the same way with our goals. The beginning and the end are really exciting. But the middle can become so mundane. However, in order to get that pretty house, you have to do the work. Like the middle actually matters the most. We just kind of forget that sometimes. Like we're in our excitement and then we don't see the finish and we're not seeing the progress, even though the progress is there. But we quit right before our breakthrough. We quit right before we could actually get to the finish and um, accomplish that was important to us. Yeah, I think sometimes we forget that that middle part is where the transformation is. Mm -hmm. You know, that's where that's like where, you know, you fall and you get back up and you're like, hey, I'm stronger than I was before. That's when you thought plan A was going to happen and it didn't. And you have to struggle. I remember once, you know, my kids were crying. They were like, we had this garden and they did not want to pick the peas or the okra. It was like stingy, itchy, and it was like 108 degrees outside. 
<laughs> of course they don't want to be there. And we're like, okay, you'll get a snow cone. Well, they were so excited about that snow cone and they were working towards it, but then they didn't see enough progress. And they're like, forget the snow cone. We don't even want the snow cone. We just want to go home, you know, <laughs> but when it was all over, they appreciated it so much more. So I totally get what you're saying there. The start doesn't take a lot of brain power. It's like squirrels, something shiny, but then you have to go through all the hard to see the good and sometimes that can feel mundane or it's never going to you know, arrive. What is the difference between a goal and a wish or a want? I like to say that a wish is something that we we would love to do. Like a wish is something that it we'll think about. It's out there. A goal is something that we're working toward. Like a wish is just a thought and a goal is us putting action behind it. The same with like a want. So a wish could be anything. It could be, oh, I would love a million dollars, or I wish I could go to Disney World, or I wish all these things, right? But it can really stay there until it becomes an actual want, like an actual motivation. And so one of the things to think about is, well, why is that a wish? Is it a wish because it's just something nice? Or is it something that you really desire? Like it's really important to you and it would change your life if it happened. That to me is more of the the want side or the motivation side. When a wish becomes a, well, really when a wish becomes a need, <laughs> then we'll turn it into a goal and put the work behind it to ha- make it happen. But it needs to be, there needs to be that driver behind that, um, the deep-rooted why, the deep-rooted motivation to why will I put all this effort and work into it? Why will I eliminate distractions or let go of some things while I work on this? What what will make this the why? What Why do I want to do that? Without that, um, it really is just a wish. Mm, I like that. That's a good point because... Sometimes I want to quit on something I'm working on. Maybe it's a book or even a podcast doing it weekly and thinking, you know, just like you, that it takes five, 10 hours of work during the week to make all this happen. And you're like, sometimes you're like, why am I doing this? But you've got to remember what your why is, or there's no fuel in the can. It doesn't, it doesn't work. And you just move on to the next thing. I like that. You've got to know what your why is. What advice would you offer a mom whose finish is just riddled with excuses? They just have the case of the don't want tos. What advice would you give them to finish strong? Sometimes I feel like we just need a good kick in the pants. Come on. You wanted this. Did you want it bad enough? Just let's do it. Let's let's do it. And so sometimes a lot of the reasons that comes, it's it's either fear or it's they feel so far behind already. How am I going to finish? Is it worth it? We're only behind it on our own expectations. Like, so I work for myself and I have all these expectations of what I need to have done. And then I feel so far behind and I'm going, wait a second, whose expectations are those? Nobody's telling me I have specific deadlines. No one's telling me I'm the one giving my expectations of what I need to have done. So maybe sometimes we just need to change those expectations a little bit, depending on the season we're in. But um, my my very big encouragement for you is if you do feel behind is to stop and reflect and go, why am I feeling behind? Is my goal too big to happen in the next 60 days? Am I coming up with too many excuses? Am I Do I have too many distractions? What is actually going on that's keeping me from doing what I need to do in order to finish strong? And then from that reflection, be honest with yourself and see what is it that i need to change because if if it's not working right now then something needs to change 
And is that you need to give yourself the time to do it, like actually setting those appointments or saying, no, I'm going to do this first and then I will and then I will cook dinner or whatever it is, you know, change that. Change one little thing and see if that helps move the needle forward. The one thing I don't want you to do is go, I'm just too far behind. I'm going to quit. Well, you're not. Let's just change the timeline a little bit. Let's just change the action. Maybe you have to put in a little bit more action for the next 60 days. Can you do that? Can you do that for 60 days? You know, it's not forever. It's not for life. It's just for that time. And then also kind of like we were talking about Stephanie earlier was thinking outside the box. You know, take the time when you're driving in the car, listen to a success podcast or whatever, you know, do something. Or when you're sitting at your kids activity while they're practicing, bring that book that you wanted to read or bring the journal so you can write and whatever it is, those kinds of things. So find those little bits of time. And also the other thing I would say when you're reflecting on things is where is your time going? How is your time being spent? My guess is. There's a lot of time being spent on things that don't need to be spent on, like scrolling social media. If you just got rid of a half hour of that a day, that could be your time to get something done. I'm going to give the tough love to say, if you want it bad enough, you can make it happen. But you do need to change something and you need to be willing to probably give up some social type things like scrolling Facebook or maybe you need to set boundaries for how often you will do certain things. I want to give that tough love to say, I want I want to challenge you to do that reflection, to change something, and to finish strong. Because when you finish strong, whether you hit your mark or not, when you go after it and you push for something, it's going to make you stronger. And you are going to have more willingness to do it again. If you want it bad enough, you will find a way. You will be an mm-hmm. advocate for yourself. You know, it's just like when you're eating, you're like, oh my gosh, why am I not losing weight? I quit drinking Starbucks. And you're like, well, you had pizza at nine o'clock last night. (laughs) Oh yes. Write it all down. What are you doing during your day? What does it look like? Are you scrolling TikTok? Are you, you know, hanging out with friends on Friday all day when you should be writing that book or whatever it is, whatever your goal is. I love that. I know our friend Heather Petty wrote a book in the middle of the summer when everybody's supposed to be on the beach having fun, keep it simple, Sarah. It was so good for, you know, young Christian teenage girls. And I thought, oh my gosh, she just came back and she's like, I wrote a book and, you know, I laid low when everybody else was having fun and I made it happen and it's coming out, you know, now. And I thought that's how we all need to be, right? I love what you said to reflect. We've got to pivot and just tough love. Girl, make it happen. Write your own story. So, well, I think the only other thought is, especially when you're making plans and whatnot, your plan, it is, it's, you're, it's probably not going to be plan A. It's probably not gonna be plan B. It's probably gonna be plan F or whatever, you know, but, <laughs> but so I always like to go by the proverb, blessed are the flexible for they'll never be bent out of shape. Just because your plan doesn't work the way it's going to, you know, like you have it set in stone. Does it mean it's not going to work? Just let God work through it. Let him lead you and guide you and be flexible. But when you're flexible, I'm not saying quit. I'm not saying stop or make excuses. I'm saying just pivot, you know, let that work on you too. We talked about the refiner's fire. It's all about being refined and being molded into the woman who's ready to tackle the vision that's placed on her heart. And that's the way to do it is to have a plan, but to be flexible. Yeah. So the best way to find me is just the website, uh, redhotmindset.com. And you can find the Goal Driven Moms podcast on there. Gabe, thank you for offering such incredible advice to help moms live a more purposeful, driven life. 
you know, to finish strong in this new year. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks, Stephanie. Hey guys, if this show has blessed you, the number one way you can help me is to click the five stars and tell me what you think over on Apple Podcast. You can go to my website at stephaniepletka.com and subscribe or grab a copy of my book, Living Your Best Life, or even download the Audible for Moms on the Go. Until then, here's to living your best life.